without further ado, let's bring these guys on. We have Peter and Richard. They are CPAs. They are in crypto. They're in NFTs. What's going on, guys? How are we feeling today? Hey, excited to be here. Uh, I never thought that I'd be uh, watching a trailer of of myself and Rich in, a, in an awesome show just like that. But that, that got me hyped. <laughs> I saw you in the background, man. You were getting you were getting hyped up. I love it. Yeah, we're really excited to be here and, and talk uh, taxes, the most boring topic known to man. But hey, uh, let's get started and, and try and see if we can give you guys some knowledge and help everybody out. Absolutely, yeah. guys. So yeah, taxes, man. You know, like you said, it's a tough conversation to have, especially now more so than ever in NFTs. Uh, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit more about you guys. What made you interested in NFTs? That's what we're curious to hear. Well, I guess first and foremost, my name is Peter Kwan. I'm a licensed Virginia CPA with around eight years of public accounting experience. Um, and this right here is Richard Mutersbaugh. Hey, guys. Uh, Peter and I both, like you said, are uh, licensed CPAs in the state of Virginia. Uh, this will be 15 years of experience for me, um, all in public accounting uh, with a lot of individual and small businesses is pretty much what I specialize in. So um, kind of right up our alley, really excited to get in and talk about that today. Yeah. And I guess before we jump in, we just wanted to kind of add a little disclaimer that um, although we are Virginia certified public accountants, the contents of this show are for informational purposes only and do not constitute an accountant and client relationship. Love um, that. Absolutely. <laughs> and with that, um, what, what got me into NFTs? I first bought my first uh, NFT and it was NBA Top Shot. And it was extremely exciting at first, a little difficult to withdraw, but it was just a space that early on I wanted to get pretty involved with. And so my first OpenSea NFT purchase was actually a board ape. Um, I bought in for the small price of 0.24 Ethereum, and I've kind of bought and sold my way up until now. And I'm, I'm down to my one uh, board ape, and I'm kind of holding on to it for dear life. That is awesome. What about yeah. you, Richard? Um, what got me into NFTs was uh, that guy right over there. Um, so we were we started working together in November of 2020, um, and we we were initially in the daily fantasy sports space. That's kind of where we started uh, tax preparation wise and, and collaborating together. And then Peter got into Top Shot back in the spring and told me about that. And it's like, dude, it's busy season. I'm so swamped. I don't have time to be you know trading any of this stuff online. So like an idiot, I sat on the sidelines for a while, then he got into the apes um, and I started trading in probably July. Um, and and I, I do a little bit of trading, not quite on the level of Peter and what he's done this year, obviously, but uh, both in the space have wallets, do some trading on OpenSea and things like that, minting all the, you know, all the fun stuff. Uh, the lovely hidden folder everybody has, they're not proud oh, of yeah. losing, losing transactions and gas fees and things like that. So, um, you know, it's uh, a lot to take in and a lot to talk about, but uh, we're excited to be here and do that with you guys. Love that. You know, I, I love the fact that you guys have experienced NFT space, you know, and it's taken away from the CPA part and taxes. What has it been like to seeing such growth in NFTs? You know, Peter, yourself, you got an ape at 0.24, which is absolutely amazing, you know, and, you know, doing the trades and stuff and just seeing so much growth. What has it been like for you both to experience that? Well, it's 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 been extremely exciting. Uh, this space as a whole just moves at the speed of light, it seems. And I, I really do feel like it felt like just yesterday when I was just kind of sitting in bed purchasing my first ape. And I, and I remember at that point, and I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I buying 
you know, digital monkey here. And I remember, you know, talking to my girlfriend at the time and she thought I was kind of crazy as well, but was, was actually extremely supportive. Um, so big shout out to her. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think one of the things that, um, Peter and I have really enjoyed the most is the, you know, all of the people we've talked to and done consultations with and things like that is, um, seeing the kind of money people have been able been able to make, but really it's about how it's changed people's lives, you know, very positively, right? Um, it's not just about the money; it's about the you know the, the freedom it's given them. They've kind of found a space, found a purpose. They found their people, their tribe, right? You know, the, the discords they get into, the projects they get into, things like that. Um, people are using profits from NFTs to pay off student loan debt, buy houses, buy cars. Uh, do things for their family and themselves that they never would have been able to do otherwise financially based on, you know, their, their background and their history and things like that. So um, I think that's been the most exciting thing that, that we've seen so far is um, just what it's been able to do for so many people out there and give them an opportunity and an avenue that, that just wasn't available to them before. And that's, that's one of the major ways that we're excited to see where this goes because of how it's changing people's lives for the better for, you know, like that. Yeah. Love you it. Can, you can make a lot of money and or you can lose a lot of money kind of in this yes, space. Yes, you can. Yeah. It's uh, super exciting. Exactly. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the meme. Have you seen that meme of the it's it's like a that person, that little stick figure, the tax reminder? Have you guys seen mm -hmm. that one? It's a tax reminder with the O. Um, there's always that person when you make gains, they're like, they're reminding you, hey, taxes. You know, don't forget taxes when you're trying to cash out. So, you know, you guys being CPAs, what do we need to know? What are some of the basics that we need, we need to know as NFT traders and taxes? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of kick it off. Uh, cryptocurrency for tax purposes is treated as property. So uh, you, you just have to realize that when you are essentially selling uh, Ethereum or, or any sort of cryptocurrency, this triggers a taxable event. And so when you're purchasing an NFT, it's essentially the, the equivalent of you disposing of the underlying cryptocurrency associated with, with that purchase. And so that in and of itself triggers a taxable event. And also when you go to sell your NFT itself. So just keep in mind that when you're buying an NFT, that's the equivalent of selling the underlying crypto and then ultimately selling the NFT itself constitutes another taxable in event in and of itself. Interesting. So, you know, we make a bunch of trades a day, you know, you guys being traders as well. What are some of the best ways for us to track our trades? Or if we haven't been tracking this whole year, what can I do to be like to kind of get organized and see what I need to report? So I would definitely recommend leveraging all of the different software that's out there. So currently we have paid subscriptions to Zen Ledger, Token Tax, Coinly, and this isn't um, a, a paid advertisement, you know, shill. It's just genuinely the software that we've kind of leveraged on our end as, as accountants. And what we'll do is we'll kind of piece together uh, estimated NFT related taxable income on the year by using these various softwares. But if you haven't been keeping track of your transaction history in Excel, um, one, it's not too late. Um, we still have a couple more weeks left on the year. And also going into 2022, it's important to, to do a little bit of legwork on your end to hopefully keep uh, a transaction history because the reports that we can kind of pull from these different softwares 
they're not necessarily accurate. And so it's, it's good to have a separate source of accounting records that you can use to ultimately cross-check some of your, uh, your activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's, um, there are, are certainly issues with a lot of the programming that um, it's, all in, it's all in its infancy, right? This is really the first year we've seen this kind of activity. So a lot of these programs weren't necessarily initially written for, especially NFT trading. Um, a lot of it is tied into the underlying cryptocurrency trading itself. And so that's what the platforms were more, more built for. And they're trying to evolve those platforms to uh, pull in DeFi and pull in NFT trading too, right? So um, there's a lot of bugs to be worked out. It's going to take a couple of years for these programs to really fine tune and, and get themselves to a point where um, anybody feels truly comfortable leveraging that, that program in, in the reports it uses 100%. It's just going to take a long time. Um, and some of the more common things we're finding issues with uh, in the programs are um, it does have a lot of trouble picking up mints. Um, you know, when you go directly through the site to mint an NFT, um, it does at times tend to struggle because you're essentially sending, you know, ETH out of your wallet, right, to a third party site. And so um, it, it doesn't necessarily pull that in from Etherscan properly when, when it tries to leverage that Etherscan, you know, pull right um and then beyond that there are if you're trading you know if you're if you're swapping nfts between wallets that you own um the programs have no idea what to do with that because all it sees is something go out of your wallet but it, it doesn't track that it also went into another wallet that you own it has a really hard time with that communication issue um same thing when we're talking about um you know coin swapping DeFi, that kind of stuff staking um whenever anything pretty much whenever anything exits that that ether scan right and, and it can't pick up what happens to it from there um, the programs have a really challenging time determining what happened, and it just kind of spits out um, basically zeros because it doesn't know what to do with it. Um, and so that's where, you know, that record keeping on a personal level is really, really important moving forward um, in terms of if you are into doing a lot of DeFi type activity, uh, play to earn, you know, uh, staking, you know, anything like that. Um, to try and find a way to keep your own record keeping or, or find something that you can leverage um, in order to track that stuff and track what you are actually doing with your, uh, you know, with your, with your crypto and what's happening to it and what kind of gains you're looking at because uh, the programming is just not there. And a lot of those services don't really have good reports that you can use, uh, whether it's a CSV or anything else that you can leverage for your own tax prep or to have someone like us take it and do anything with it for you. Um, it's just really, really hard with some of those things and the tax programs aren't there yet. Um, some of them work better than other ones for different things. And um, we're, we're finding a methodology that works for us to piece everything together. Um, but we're having to work with clients to, uh, you know, tap into them, th their own resources to sort of help fix some of these issues because we don't have access and can't pull certain reports to, to do that from our end, right? So, um, you know, there's a plethora of things out there. A lot of them are paid. There might be a few free ones. But um, everything's still working out a lot of kinks, and it's just kind of doing the best we can and, and trying to make it as accurate as possible at this point. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> there's such a gray area in crypto and NFTs specifically uh, with the amount of volume we've seen in all these, you know, things that haven't been done before. Uh, question for you guys is, you know, I'm in a bunch of discords and, I, you know, the tax question comes up, you know, a little more so now since we're approaching the end of the year. And, you know, a lot of people... They, they feel like they're not going to report, you know, th their mindset is I'm not reporting till I put it into my U.S., you know, bank account. Um, so they're not, they don't plan on reporting this year unless, you know, they're going to actually put Ethereum into the U.S. dollar into their bank account. Uh, what advice do you have for, you know, these people? And it seems to be a large majority, which, you know, seem to think, hey, you know, I'm not reporting anything because 
Number one, I haven't reported my wallet. I haven't KYC'd. Um, number two, it's still Ethereum. So mm -hmm. I see that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the prevailing thought a lot, out there a lot. Uh, Peter, what's one of my favorite things to say about the IRS? Uh, they're slow, but they are not. They're, they're slow, but they're not stupid. Right. So um, the IRS right now does not have the manpower and does not have the technological capability that they've made public um, to track all of this stuff and, and, and see what everyone's doing on blockchain. Right. Um, yeah. they, they may be able to do that. And in, in we just don't know that at this point. But um, the most important thing from our perspective is um, to be ahead of the game and be proactive in your reporting, because if you do it now, um, yes, it sucks to pay taxes. No one likes paying taxes, right? Um, it sucks for all that hard work you did and, and to have give some, give some of that money to the federal government. We get that. Um, but at the same time, you know, it is money you've earned. It doesn't matter if you've pulled it out into U.S. dollars. The way the tax code written is, you know, once that transaction takes place, uh, that constitutes a taxable event that generates income or a loss, and you're required to report that, right? And we're always going to tell people that they need to do that from our end. Um, to save ourselves and to save you and protect you, right? Because, um, you know, the IRS typically only has a three-year window to um, go back and audit an individual for tax purposes, right? So they basically can go back three years under normal circumstances. If they catch something that you underreported, didn't report something, um, they can go into that window of time. However, if the IRS can prove that you were negligent and intentionally, you committed tax evasion or tax fraud, um, they can go back into perpetuity. So um, if at some point down the line, when this really goes mainstream for tax reporting purposes and the IRS um, is able to have some kind of, you know, system where they're able to review a lot of this stuff and they put you under an audit and then they can go back and determine that, you know, starting eight years ago that you didn't report any of your crypto and your NFT activity, um, they can technically go after all of that, right? They can go all the way back into that time in that case, if they can prove um, that you did it intentionally and on purpose. So, um, we really want to protect everyone and make sure that, you know, they're doing the right thing. Um, and so it's, it's really important to stay on top of that and be proactive in your tax reporting. Um, it, it's not fun. Nobody likes that in the U S but it's, it's the necessary evil and it, it, it keeps you out of trouble. Um, and that way you can go to bed at night knowing you don't have to worry about any issues down the line. Yeah. And, you know, and, yeah, uh, go for it. Uh, OpenSea and, and MetaMask might not have your personal information and, you know, KYC, but, Ultimately, you know, Coinbase, Binance, whatever wallet you're using most likely does. And eventually you're going to have to transfer some of that uh, cryptocurrency to, to fiat unless, you know, unless otherwise. Um, and in a nutshell, you're just going you're going to have to eventually convert those to dollars and and to your tr financial institution as well. And so um, there is a little bit of of KYC and safeguards already in place there. So definitely, definitely to be more proactive than, than reactive and, and self-report. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and on top of that too, uh, just to touch on something I know we're going to talk about here in a bit is, uh, you know, new potential tax law changes coming. Um, yeah. So the, uh, you know, re recent infrastructure bill uh, that, that was, you know, passed through Congress and um, we're, we're kind of waiting to make sure that it goes into effect as law starting this coming year, right? Um, the president has signed that. And so um, part of the tax law changes tied to that are uh, the, the uh, Treasury Department and the IRS are intending to make a lot of these major platforms like OpenSea um, and MetaMask, they're, they're probably going to go after 
the, a lot of them that see at, at least moderate to high volume training and activity moving forward. Um, the intent is to make them register as a security exchange with the IRS um, in, the, in the, the SEC. And so essentially, um, they're going to try and treat them very similarly to, say, um, like an E-Trade or a TD Ameritrade, something along those lines, where, you know, if you have a, a um, if you have an account with any of those platforms currently, you have to disclose all of your personal information. You have to disclose name, address, social security number. Um, and when the end of the year comes around and there are tax reporting requirements based on activity in your account, uh, they issue you a 1099B form, which is the tax form tied to interest dividends and stock transactions, amongst some other things, right? Um, so the intent of this new tax law change is they're going to um, try to force a lot of these platforms, um, and, and we don't have an exact um, roadmap for how they're going to do it and who they're going to determine, but it stands to reason that, you know, MetaMask, OpenSea, those kind of platforms are going to be required to be part of this, that they're going to have the same reporting requirements. So in other words, that at some point, we're going to have to disclose our personal information to these platforms in order to continue to trade on them, right? So eventually, we're going to start receiving actual official tax documentation where those platforms will be required to track cost basis for us and actually report our gains, and then we won't have a choice but to, to, to file it at that point. So um, we're better off being ahead of that now and getting in front of and getting used to that reporting. Um, and then ideally down the line, we're going to get, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, what are going to be accurate tax reports that we'll be able to use in, in our tax filings, you know, in a couple of years. Um, the, the timeline is they want that to be in place as of January 1, 2023. Um, so basically, those platforms have about 12 and a half months in order to get themselves set up and prepared. And then starting in that calendar year, um, you know, according to the new bill, they're going to force these platforms to start having reporting requirements. And so when people go to do their 2023 taxes in 2024, um, that you'll actually have official tax forms that will have all of your training activity on it and you will have to report that on your taxes. Yeah, and wow. with everything being so you know transparent on the blockchain, right? You don't wanna get into a situation in which it's like you're, you're getting ready to file your 2023 return, you got your tax forms from OpenSea and then they they're kind of circling back to your previous years and they're like oh you know you had some taxable income in back in 2021 where where are you reporting it on your you know tax return and so definitely definitely better to get ahead of the game there dude all i can think about you know just looking at the comment here is i'm effed ah you know i feel like a lot of us this is a reality check we didn't think about this year so this is amazing insight um holy crap like there's a bunch of work to do um so we appreciate this. So question for you guys, you know, thinking about next year and moving on, let's say this year is just a complete mess. You know, there's just a bunch of transactions. Uh, it's just a mess, right? So moving forward next year, you know, let's say I want to get organized, you know, what is the best way to do that? Do I make an LLC or do I, you know, hire someone to do, you know, quarterly talks? How can I structure my NFTs to be more organized to kind of go with these requirements that are going to happen, you know, in the next couple of years? Uh, I would say start off by keeping some pretty good accounting records, right? And it doesn't have to be anything complicated or crazy. Um, ultimately, you just really need to record the, the costs of the NFT that you're purchasing or selling, uh, any transaction fees associated, and essentially the spot price of Ethereum if, you, if you're trading on OpenSea. Um, kind of at that point in time. So 
Uh, definitely never too late to get started keeping a detailed accounting record, but I'd start with a simple Excel spreadsheet um, going, you know, starting off. Yeah, and, and, and we do have a, a couple of uh, situations with clients for, like we're working with where we plan to do sort of a quarter, quarterly reconciliation of their of their wallets, you know, moving forward, right? It's sort of at the end of each quarter in 2022, we'll sort of be doing a review of the activity they've had year to date. So they can track their profitability and we can kind of close those gaps uh, throughout the year um, when it's a little bit fresher as opposed to, um, yeah. you know, waiting until December or January and being like, hey, here's a whole year worth of stuff. These are all the issues that we can't quite figure out. We need you to dive all the way back to March of 2021 and help us, you know, figure out the holes here, right? Um, the idea would be if you're on top of that kind of on a quarterly basis or something like that where you are I'm doing some kind of review of your Etherscan or, or leveraging one of these tax programs to, you know, run some reports and sort of see where it's having issues with specific transactions. Um, that's a really good place to start um, beyond, you know, just looking at, at some kind of basic spreadsheet to sort of track your activity. We realize if you're if you're trading thousands of, of NFTs a year, um, that's quite tedious. And so um, it's just finding some kind of middle ground where you can, um, you know, track your activity in some capacity to um, you know, make sure you're on top of it because that way you know what your profitability is tracking throughout the year um, instead of getting all the way to the end and going, oh my God, I, I made X amount of money and I've paid nothing in and now I have to figure out how to liquidate you know, some of my ETH or, or whatever currency it is in order to pay my tax bill. Um, and, and we're gonna see a big issue with that over the next three and a half months, right? It's oh, yeah. um, as people start getting into doing their taxes, they're gonna realize how much liquidity they need to pay that bill. Um, and not a lot of people are prepared for that right now. Um, and so it's going to be a very reactive process in that case. But moving forward, um, if people are really on top of things um, and are kind of reviewing that at least a handful of times a year, that um, they can better plan for that and, and be a little bit more on top of that liquidity that they're going to need um, for all that reporting they're going to have to do and the taxes they're going to need to pay, right? So um, those are kind of the biggest things, you know, finding some kind of program that leverages it properly in your own, in your own records, right? Um, you know, as far as the idea of like an LLC, um, we, we can kind of dig into that now. That's totally fine. Um, so the, you know, the idea is that uh, for the most part, uh, most people will treat their NFT activity as a trade. Like there's trading very similar to say, um, you know, stocks, cryptocurrencies themselves, or like collectibles, right? Physical artwork, trading cards, that kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, the, the stance that we're, we're working with now is that NFTs will be treated as a collectible um, as opposed to being treated the same way as a stock. Now, in the short term, that doesn't mean anything like less than a year. It's the same tax rate. It's just whatever your tax rate is based on those graduated tax brackets. Right. Um, when you get to a year or more, uh, when you treat something as a collectible, the maximum tax rate you're going to pay on that is 28 percent. Right. That's that's the cap at the federal level that you'll pay on um, until the IRS tells us otherwise. That is the methodology that we're working with, right? And we're inferring that from what's actually in the tax code and similar items that, that we're looking at, okay? Um, the alternative is to actually treat your NFT activity as a trader business. Um, you don't have to generate, you don't have to create an LLC for that. Um, you can create one, but it's not a requirement. Um, or you can actually like incorporate and become either a C corporation, like a standard corporation, or you, you can become an S corporation, right? Um, there are some distinct advantages depending on what profitability level you have uh, whether that makes any sense or not um you know the the idea of of going that trader business route works in the sense that you can actually write off expenses against your profits um so that would be like you know a home office deduction 
you know, a portion of your home internet costs, um, you know, uh, if you if you travel to say uh, you know NFT NYC Art Basel anything like that those travel costs can be included especially if you're doing some kind of networking and things like that um, you know beyond that if you are if this is what you're doing full time if you have a, a health insurance policy and you're profitable you can write off your health insurance premiums against that that profit um, we're discussing with some of our clients actually setting up what we call a SEP IRA plan which is like a one type of retirement plan where we can basically funnel money into, you know, uh, an IRA type account um, and get pretty aggressive in how much money you can put in there. And, and that actually is a one really nice tax saving mechanism when you go that route. Um, but going that route does do two very distinct things. Um, one is that um, you have to treat your NFT trading income as regular rate income moving forward. You don't, even if you hold something a year, you don't get to take advantage of that um, that collectible tax rate, right, of that 28% cap. So if you're someone that's trading and you're making, say, half a million dollars a year or more, um, you don't get to take advantage of that max 28% tax rate on anything you hold more than a year when you actually consider yourself a trader of NFTs uh, because everything converts to an actual business model, right? Um, so that is one disadvantage, especially if you're someone who's holding anything blue chip for more than a year where you would want to take advantage of that lower tax rate. Um, the secondary thing is that it does subject you to uh, employment taxes, right? So um, when you are an employee and you work for a company, you're on a W-2, um, your wages are subject to Social Security and Medicare tax in the United States, right? And that's a combined 7.65% tax on top of your income tax. So, um, and essentially that money funnels into the federal Social Security and Medicare programs to fund that nationwide, right? Then your employer is responsible for matching that amount, okay? so. You pay 7.65% on your earnings, they match that. It comes out to a little over 15% combined. When you are self-employed and you're running everything as an NFT trader business, um, you're actually considered the employee and the employer. You're, you're both sides of the equation. So you're actually subject to the entire amount. Um, and so the problem is, is you're gonna, when you treat yourself as a, as a trader business, um, you're subject to your regular income tax rate, right? But then you're also slapped with this an additional up to 15.5% taxes almost. Um, oh my so gosh. It, yeah, it makes it really tough. So really you need to be in a in a kind of profit range that makes sense and enough deductions that justify that, right? Because if there's enough expenses we can take and get you into a nice range, um, then it, it can make sense to go that route. But for a lot of people, it's really tough to justify it, especially if this is what you're doing full time for a living and that's it. You know, if you've got a if you've got a full time job and you're actually um, you know, working and you're already paying into Social Security and Medicare through a day job and you're doing this at night and, you know, never sleeping like some people, it seems, or sleeping like an hour and yeah. night, um, then it, it changes the equation because it makes it much more palatable because there's a cap on that Social Security tax you pay. Um, so the additional tax you're paying shrinks significantly. Um, it makes it a little bit more appealing. And, and also, if you're someone who's trading consistently and you're not holding anything long term, um, that's the other reason that it would be really appealing to look at that that option, right? Um, but the one biggest misconception about treating yourself as a trader business that we see out there floating around um, on you know Twitter and in Discord and things like that is when you have um, NFTs in your wallet, um, when you're a trader business, when you buy an NFT, that becomes inventory, right? It, you don't get to write that off immediately. You only get to write off in it, the cost of an NFT when you actually sell it. So um, if you've got 200K of NFTs sitting in your wallet, um, and you treat yourself as a trader business, 
you don't get to write that off in the year you bought them. You don't get to write those off until you actually sell them, right? Because then they become basically what we call a cost of goods sold. So the biggest misconception is, well, I'm just going to treat myself as a trader and write off all my purchases this year and reduce my income. And then I'll worry about, you know, correcting that and fixing it later when I pick up the income next year. Um, but that's just not how the tax code works. And so uh, just to kind of clear up that issue, uh, that's one of the big misconceptions we see out there that, that we want to make sure people understand conceptually how that works. Um, so there are instances where it can make a lot of sense to be a trader. It just depends. Um, and that's where talking to someone like us, we can help you run those numbers and see whether it's the right move or not. Right. Because it's completely dictated on your individual specific situation. Yeah. So yeah. you're your NFT activity is going to be treated and reported on Schedule D, which is kind of where your stocks and crypto would go, or it would go on your Schedule C, which is where your trader business income activity would go. But ultimately, it kind of differs based on a case by case scenario. And so it's important to talk to a licensed professional before kind of deciding on the best course of action. Absolutely, man. This is absolutely astonishing because, you know, for example, I know a lot of kids, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds, dude, they've made almost seven figures in NFTs this year. They probably don't even know what taxes are. Um, so it's going to be insane to see how this plays out over time. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, the IRS is going to come calling for a lot of people sooner or later. So this is great info, guys. Question for you guys, as far as lessening the tax burden, right? So we see Ethereum, biggest thing we see all the time is gas fees, right? We pay so much in gas uh, uh, per year. You know, I want to pull up this image here of uh, <laughs> Pranksy that he posted. You know, he spent $1.94 million, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, is this something that we can write off when we do our taxes? Yeah. So um, let's let's tackle that in, um, in just to kind of disclaim this, okay? Um, as we sort of discussed already, there are a lot of gray areas in tax right now that tie to NFT activity. So um, if you talk to 100 CPAs that are in the space, which if you can even find 100 CPAs in the space, good luck. But if you did, yeah. um, a lot of us are going to have differing opinions on this, okay? Because it's it's um, the stance that, that Peter and I kind of have reasoned out and that we're taking on this. And, and we realize that this is a bit of an aggressive stance in, in the circumstances is that... Um, Whenever you trade an NFT or acquire an NFT and there's a gas transaction tied to it, that um, essentially that, that we feel that that is tied into the cost basis of acquiring the NFT itself. And then when you sell it, it is a reduction of the sale price of the NFT when you relinquish that NFT out of your wallet. Right. Um, it is a transaction directly tied to the acquisition and sale of the NFT. And therefore, we believe that it should be tied into each individual transaction. Right. Um, there are CPAs out there that I will not say that we all agree on that. Some of them think that that's just the cost of doing business and that you wouldn't deduct that unless you are considering yourself an active trader um, and treating yourself as a trader business. We don't really agree with that stance because um, the kind of reasoning behind that is like if you're trading in the stock market, whenever you have a stock trade and you have to pay a transaction fee to the brokerage house, um, that isn't necessarily built into the, the sale transaction of your individual stock in that instance. But again, NFTs aren't treated the same way as stocks are through the, you know, actually active publicly traded exchanges, right? Um, yeah. 
it's we, we kind of treat it parallel to like real estate. So, you know, if you, if you own a piece of real estate and you sell it and you have closing costs at the time that you sell, say, a rental property or a piece of, you know, uh, investment land that you own, when you report that sale transaction, you actually include your selling costs, commissions, um, concessions made in the sale, all of those kind of things. Those are built into that sale and they reduce the amount of profit you pay taxes on. Um, NFTs are more treated like a piece of property, very similar to real estate in that respect, than they are an actual security exchange that's traded on any of the publicly traded, you know, public exchanges in the United States or anywhere else, right? Um, so we feel pretty strongly that that is something that is deductible. Um, and it's deductible in the year that it's tied to those, you know, actual NFTs, right? Um, one of the kind of things about, you know, the uh, that, that image with Pranksy is that uh, that's based on the current gas price and the amount of, you know, the amount of gas that he's, he's you know, transacted this year. So um, yeah. it's a little hard that it's not the completely accurate number. It could actually be higher than that. It might be lower than that. But, um, you know, there are different sites and services out there where you can pull and you can sort of see what your actual spot price gas transactions are. So we're kind of tinkering around with that to see how accurate it is. Um, but we do feel that that should be included in the cost basis and a reduction of the profit that you're paying on the NFTs you're actually trading on a year to year basis. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, you guys mentioned earlier, there's a lot of money to be made in NFTs, but also you lose a lot of money sometimes. We all have that hidden wallet, right? So we have, you know, all those losses or all those things we don't want to be reminded of. We have them hidden in our wallets. Um, is there a benefit to selling those items at a loss or do we hold them as far as it, when it comes to taxes? Man, uh, I'll, I'll visit that hidden folder when I need to be humble, <laughs> man. When I'm just feeling way too good, I'll, I'll take a look at that hidden folder and I'll come back down to earth really quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it's, it's definitely humbling. <laughs> yeah. In, in the accounting world, what we want to do is we want to accelerate deductions and defer income. So if there are some NFTs that are essentially worthless now and you bought it at a certain price point, what you want to do is you want to more likely than not accelerate that deduction, assuming that you have NFT income on the year. And so, you know, if you're looking through your hidden wallet and you see, you know, a Super Yeti, that's that's it's actually making a bounce back at the moment. But um, if, if you see some NFTs that you think are can be sold at a loss, it's it might be in your best interest to list them at point oh 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 one, realize that loss when it sells and ultimately offset that loss with some of your gain from your other NFT activity. Um, on the flip side, if you are a long-term holder of a project such as, you know, an, an ape or, or a gutter cat, um, it might be in your best interest to essentially sell it in 2022 versus in this year to defer that income a whole tax year uh, down the road. Um, it's just a perfectly uh, legal way to kind of reduce your tax liability at year end and also kind of tax plan appropriately for, for any, anything to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in, in, in addition to that, um, even active projects, you know, maybe you bought something at a peak and you pay two and a half ETH for it, but the floor right now is like half an ETH. And, you know, um, in those instances, you can still sell at a loss. It doesn't have to be a project that's dead. Uh, it can still be an active, active project that's just in a dip. And uh, if you if you bought way above that price or even moderately above it, you can still sell at that at that you know floor, and you can even sell below floor um, in order to realize a tax loss, right? We call that tax loss harvesting. 
That is completely yeah. legal. There's nothing that says you can't do that, right? Um, and so if you have things in your wallet that aren't necessarily in the hidden folder, but they're things where the prices really dip from where you bought in, um, it isn't a bad idea to sell some of that stuff if you are open to the idea and, and you, you, know, you can live with the fact that you just are going to eat a loss on that. Um, because it actually gives you some liquidity, right? If you're selling something at 0.001, you know, uh, that may cover the gas fee in the transaction. It might not, but it doesn't really give you any of that cash liquidity or, well, excuse me, ETH liquidity in this case, um, in order to, you know, liquidate that into cash to pay your tax bill. But if you've got something you can sell for a quarter of an ETH, a half an ETH, even an ETH or something like that, um, at least that's getting you some liquidity in this, in this equation that you can use um, moving forward. In, in terms of helping to pay that tax burden when, this, when the time comes in the spring, right? Um, yeah. And there's nothing that says that you can't buy right back into that project. Um, you could literally have bought an NFT in a project at three ETH, sell it at half an ETH at floor, turn right back around and buy in at floor and, and either buy the same one back for a little bit more or buy a different one. And, and just kind of, you know, if it's a project you really want to be in and think long-term, it's something you, you think is going to take off um, or you just really love the project or the team and you want to be involved in it, and you've got one that, you know, maybe is a floor item or barely above, and it's just really not worth comparative to the market what you paid for it. Sell that one off, buy another one, get right back into the project, and realize a tax loss at the same time. Um, so it's kind of the best of both worlds when you look at it in that respect. But like Peter said, the important thing is to um, loss take take losses as much as you can before the end of the year uh, where it's it's feasible, um, and push off you know profits into next year because that just gives us an entire year of that planning that we were talking about. Of, of reconciling your wallet and being ahead of it and being able to get your liquidity in order. Um, you know, even, even if you sell on January 1 at 12.03 a.m., that's next year. Um, waiting those four extra minutes pushes it into an entirely new tax year. So um, in that case, it's just, it, it's a no-brainer to do that, um, especially if you're someone who's looking at a, quite a bit of profit this year and you're concerned about that tax bill. Um, if, it's, if it's feasible at all, push those profits off into, into January of 2022 or out, um, just because it's just gonna save you so much headache and give you a whole year to prepare for that tax hit next time. Yeah. So wash sale rules at this, at this moment in time only apply to securities. And so uh, this may change going forward, but for tax year 2021, it's perfectly uh, legal to, to tax loss harvest in, in these situations. Yep. And, and to piggyback on that, you know, the, the big push right now is to remove wash sale, um, to, to Im implement wash sale rules um, for cryptocurrencies but there is no discussion as of now of doing it for NFTs. And so um, the wash sale rule is basically that if you own a security on one of the public exchanges, you know, say a, a share of Apple, um, and you yeah. sell it at a loss, you're, you can't buy back that same stock within 30 days and actually take that tax loss. So if, if, you, lose on, if you lose on an individual stock, you can't buy the same one back within a 30-day window and actually be able to take that loss on your tax return. Um, it actually is reported on those exchange forms, those 1099Bs we're talking about, as a disallowed loss. So it shows on there, but you're not allowed to take it for tax purposes. Um, right now, even with cryptocurrencies, you can, you, can, uh, you can actually sell at a loss and buy back the same day. So maybe if you bought into Bitcoin when it was you know, way up or you bought ETH at the peak, and it is, as we know, it, it, took a hard, it took a hard drop in the last couple of weeks, you could actually liquidate at the floor um, realize a massive loss there and then buy right back in at that, at that floor price um, and reset your cost basis in your ETH and realize the tax loss at the same time because the IRS does not have wash sale rules for cryptocurrencies in addition to NFTs. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're actually a cryptocurrency trader, 
and you've got a lot of losses sitting in your wallet. And even if you want to get back into that same currency, liquidate those losses and, and realize that tax loss because it does offset gains in NFTs this year. Um, and then you can just buy right back in and reset your cost basis on your currencies too. So um, a couple of really easy ways in order to get some losses in your wallet to help reduce that tax burden we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, that's awesome. Uh, a, a couple of final notes um, while we're on, on the topic of kind of reducing your tax liability. Uh, if, if you kind of have some NFTs that just are flat out worthless, you could definitely bundle them up and kind of sell them as, as kind of a package deal for like 0.0001 ETH to kind of realize that loss. Because oftentimes you'll, you'll find that um, some of the more worthless NFTs, truly nobody wants them. And so yeah. um, it, it helps to bundle them. Um, it helps to essentially burn them. Um, anything that you can do in tax year 2021, if you're at an NFT related income, to kind of offset those gains would, would be more than helpful to reduce your tax liability legally. Yep. Also, oh, um, uh, you can also do a little bit of additional tax planning. Um, different states have different state income tax rates. Um, if you're essentially deferring some of your income into tax year 2022, that gives you some opportunity to essentially move to a more tax-friendly state. So. Uh, I'm talking Texas. I'm talking Florida. Um, there are just some added opportunities to to kind of move and tax plan around around that way. Um, also, personally, um, what 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 is most likely going to work for me is is um, in tax year 2022. I plan to be getting married, and um, what that's going to do is it's going to put some of my NFT related income at a lower marginal income tax rate. Um, and so if you have a significant other that, you know, you plan to spend the rest of your life with, um, it's not a bad idea to marry for tax purposes, but obviously more important for love first. But um, <laughs> some tax saving uh, strategies from from that perspective. This is not so the, by the way. The real alpha is get married, though. That's yeah. that's that's yeah, the real alpha is, I just heard. Right. Here. We're yeah, not in the business of giving marriage advice. You can ask my wife and Peter's fiance. Trust us, we're not. We're, we're not. We're, we have no business giving marriage advice, but for tax purposes, it, it makes a lot of sense. And so, um, yeah, you can you can you can also burn stuff off, like Peter mentioned, and just basically transfer it to an inaccessible wallet that you have no control over. And yeah. uh, even though that even though you don't get any funding out of it back to you, right? Um, you can write off the cost of the NFT and the gas fees associated with purchasing it and burning it off into that inaccessible wallet. So um, in addition to trying to bundle or sell things at floor or lower, that's another thing you can do. Um, one thing to mention, though, is don't sell NFTs at a loss to family members. Um, if it is a related party, like a sibling, a parent, a kid, anything like that, um, if you sell to them at a loss, you're technically not supposed to take that because it's called a related party loss and those are non-deductible, okay? Um, so don't sell your dad something at a loss uh, and try to report that on tax purposes if your dad actually knows what an NFT is and has a wallet. Um, you know, so that, that kind of thing, keep that in mind. Um, you cannot take a tax loss for gifting NFTs either. So um, if you've got some buddies or anything that you wanna get into NFTs and you want to um, you know, give them some NFTs out of your wallet, that does not constitute a tax loss. Um, that's considered a gift. Okay, um, you could sell it to them for pretty cheap, especially if it's not like a family member and realize a tax loss. But you can't actually give it to them and consider that a tax write-off. Um, you can only, and you can't write that off as a charitable contribution either, because those have to be made to 
qualifying, you know, 501c charitable organizations in order for that to be considered an actual charitable donation for the year. Wow, man, just so much. And you, you guys took the question I was going to ask, can I gift, you know, my family or friends an NFT and write that off? So that's a great uh, point there. I'm sure people are trying any tricks they can to just try to avoid taxes. And I think, you know, the best way to do it is just to tackle it head on. Like you guys have mentioned, a lot of great info there. Um, I want to switch really quick, though. You know, on Twitter, you know, we see a headline every day. We see fat fingers a lot, right? So we see someone list their board ape for 0.75 ETH instead of 75 ETH. Let's say they bought the board ape at, let's say, 50 ETH. They list it for 0.75. That is technically a loss, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so we see that happen a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see how that affects taxes. And also, what happens, let's say I have my wallet. And I get hacked, right? Let's say I lose my wallets or someone steals all my NFTs or all my Ethereum. Um, how does how would that work for tax purposes? Uh, the uh, if somebody just fat fingers the price and we do see that happen, unfortunately, um, that is that's that's a tax loss. I mean, it's 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 a publicly it's a public trade. It's right there on the blockchain. Maybe you didn't mean to sell it for that price, but you did. And somebody swiped it before you could fix it. Um, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's a mistake, but it happens. Um, you know, it, it would be no different than if you were in an E-Trade account and you accidentally listed stock at, you know, for sale and, and it's in a big dip and you sell it at a loss. Um, it still counts as a tax loss. Um, the whole idea of the, um, you know, the your wallet getting hacked uh, or, you know, something like that, you know, you kind of lose that, uh, the NFTs in it, you lose your ETH, anything like that. Um, that's a really tricky question because there's not a lot of guidance in general about a situation like that. Um, you know, uh, technically those are considered, you know, what they call a casualty loss. Um, and so they have to be treated a certain way for tax purposes where um, there's a lot of, a lot of mechanics involved on whether that's would be constituted as a, as a tax deductible loss or not. Um, if you get into a situation like that, you really need to talk to a CPA or a tax attorney so that they can kind of help you navigate that and determine what options you have there. Um, it's hard to get into the specifics of that because that's a very nuanced subject and it goes really deep, like super deep in terms of, you know, how you calculate that and what's deductible and what's not in the specific scenarios. But there are avenues for that to be a tax write-off. Um, it's just a matter of getting with a professional who can dig into your specific circumstances and determine with you what you can actually do with that. But um, there is some hope. There's no guarantees, but there is some hope that you can find a way to recoup that loss. Yeah. Interesting. In, in the meantime, just use a hardware wallet, buy one and actually yes. use it. Facts. Exactly. That's one of the things I see all the time is hardware wallets, man. And I hear of a new ape being like, you know, either stolen, even with, yeah, just, I hear of something every day and it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, there's just so much money there that, you, you know, people are going to be attacked and, you know, baited to these, you know, scams. So yeah, definitely buy a hardware wallet. Um, you know, appreciate all the insight, guys. You know, there's just so much to tackle here. I can only imagine being a 17-year-old that just made a million dollars in NFTs and now realizing, shit, I got to pay taxes, you know? Um, so there's definitely some good strategies here, you know, throughout this episode today that people can kind of watch and just gather and definitely reach out to you guys if they have more questions and more info. Um, really quick, though, just kind of shifting uh, categories here. I want to talk a little bit about you guys specifically and you as NFT traders. Let's talk about some of your best and worst mints of the year. Looking back uh, in hindsight here, uh, let's, you know, break it down for us, guys. Peter, you know, let, let's start with you, man. What have been some of your best mints and some of your worst mints this year? Oh, 
Oh man, I think my best <laughs> is definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, I guess I didn't mint uh, board apes um, kind of just on the get go, but I did buy them pretty early in the secondary. Um, I would say those are pretty good. Obviously, the mutants, the uh, board ape kennel dogs, um, those have probably been my best uh, purchases. I've been more of a long term holder in in that aspect. Some of my worst, I I, I still remember. I, I I can never forget those super yetis, man. I think I bought them super like yetis, the, the ultimate top before reveal. I remember I bought I think like ten of them at point two e each and i remember like immediately after reveal they kind of dropped to like 0.04.05 i remember just being ashamed of them and and selling them at at a significant loss i did keep one and uh, yesterday just randomly i did happen to see a slight bounce back and i'm like wow man they're they're coming back so they're definitely my best and worst mints i'd say it's funny because yeah. the Yetis are kind of like the first, they were kind of like a meme, like one of the first memes in <laughs> NFTs, right? So they have some value there, hopefully. Uh, but that's 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 crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Richard? I, I, I don't I don't trade in much volume. Pretty much most everything I've bought, I hold. Um, so there's a few projects I'm really excited to see where they go. And, and I love the artwork or, or the team behind them kind of thing. I think for me, it's probably more the things that um, if I had a DeLorean and could go back in time, the things that I wish I would have bought it where the floor was at the time and would be a lot richer for it. Um, especially the first time Peter told me about, you know, Hey dude, I bought a picture of an ape for like a quarter of an ETH back in May. And I was like, bro, I'm not doing that. Like it's still tax season time. Like I'm super busy. I'm not spending a, like a thousand dollars on a picture of a monkey. Like what are you doing, man? And uh, even though we, even though we were like already creating content and like doing all this research in the NFT space, I was like, nah, man, I'm not doing something. That's, that's just so stupid. Why would you do that shit? And then like a month later, I'm sitting there like, man, I'm not to tell him how, how wrong I was and I have to admit it. And he's going to hold that over yeah. me forever. And I'm so embarrassed by that. So um, it's probably more about the things where I'm, I was looking at them on the floor and thinking, I don't know if it's worth that. I don't know if I want to put in. And then in the bat of an eye, the floor has gone 15x and I didn't jump in at the time I knew I should have. So um, I think for me, it's probably more a lot of those kind of misses. And I could I could talk your ear off all day about those and it would just make me really sad. So um, <laughs> I think that's uh, but we've all got the hidden folder with shit in it. It is what it is. Um, you just kind of move on. Um, the space moves so fast there for a few months. Um, you know, it was like you go to bed and you wake up and you know, it's like, what did I miss in those like five or six hours? I feel like I missed like 48 mint project, you know, mints that people did were flipping. And all I did was just go to sleep for a few hours kind of thing. Yeah, facts. And, you know, Peter, you know, props to you because to buy a board ape in May, pay 0.25 ETH, you know, people probably, yeah, like they told you you were crazy, you know, like what the hell are you doing? You know, why are you buying this ape, this picture, uh, yeah. right click save. So respects to that. Um, you know, it, it took a lot to buy at that time when NFTs were just kind of, you know, being what they are today. Uh, so yeah, it's been a hell of a year, guys. You know, we've seen a lot. You know, I don't think NFTs are going anywhere. We're seeing big corporations come into the game now. You know, you guys are establishing yourself. You know, we need more CPAs. We need more tax info out there. You know, there's not anything. You know, I try to find some for myself. There's not a lot of resources, you know. So, you know, what are, what do you guys recommend to someone who's been into NFTs? You know, they want more information. How can they get more informed, you know, by reaching out to you guys or any tools you recommend? Yeah, I I definitely say um, I definitely recommend reaching out to us and also you know keeping like I said those accounting records um, you know 
even if if you are working with a different CPA, right? You know, at the at the base, as long as you kind of have accounting records in Excel, it's something that they can kind of work with. And so, um, I would say accounting records. You know, make sure you use a hardware wallet. Um, do your own due diligence and research, and and also buy into projects that you know you feel you feel good holding, um, essentially. Yeah, I, I think as far as you know, um, as far as the tax side goes, I mean, there, there are some articles in various places out there you can read that kind of have theory on how things will and should be treated for tax purposes, um, and that and that's all. Um, it's it's good information. It's just uh, there's not a lot of it. Um, and it's a lot of it speculative, even from our end, because there's just no official guidance and information at this point. So, um, yeah. you know, kind of leveraging a professional um, like a CPA who is in the space and kind of understands how it works is, is very important. Um, you know, we always tell people when we discuss things with them to, you know, vet your sources, make sure that they are, in fact, licensed. You, you know, you can you can go on the State Board of Accountancy website in Virginia and search Peter and I's name and you'll find that we have an active CPA license in the state of Virginia. Um, so you can you can you know have proof that we are who we say we are um, and that we actually are licensed to, to you know do taxes for a living and, and, and market ourselves as CPAs. Um, and, you know, I think the big thing is to um, don't just find someone on Twitter that, that, you know, spits out some tax information and has CPA in their name and, and talk, talking about NFTs. You know, schedule a time to talk to them and, and kind of vet that out and get a feel for who they are. Ask them some questions, you know, get a, you know, see how honest they are and, and kind of the things they talk about. Um, and, and just make sure that it's a good fit for you because, uh, you know, there are going to be people that we're not a great fit for, and that's fine. Um, you know, we don't, we don't begrudge, begrudge that. I, you know, you have to find the person that's the right fit for you individually that you can work with appropriately um, and someone that you can trust with your information and, and can help guide you in the right direction, right? Um, because as the space grows and it gets more mainstream, a lot of people are going to jump into it from our end and they may not really know what they're doing. Um, and, you know, some of the services that are out there and some of the software programs and sites and things um, do offer some, you know, tax prep services included. Um, there are people who have great, you know, uh, they have they have great time with that. They don't have any problems. And there are some horror stories out there. You can find them uh, of people who just had a host of problems with that. So um, it's just very important to find someone that works for you if yeah. you're going to hire a professional. But um, if it's something like this and you're making a lot of money um, and you're doing a lot of a lot of transactions, a lot of trades, um, it, it, it would be a really good idea to talk to a professional to uh, see if they can help you out in some form or fashion and, um, you know, to, to leverage their knowledge and their and their resources to put you in the best position possible for your for your taxes. Right. Um, because it, they may save you some extra money. Um, and that's obviously very important, but it's more about getting your compliance correct and that knowing that your filing is um, a little bit more secure and sound because you're using that professional to do that. Right. And that that's very important. Um, you know, just for, for, for people in, in general to know that kind of thing. Absolutely. Do you guys have a website or what is the best way for someone to reach you guys? So we're working on a website as we speak. Um, it'll be ready in January. Um, but for now, we'd say probably Twitter or LinkedIn would be our best uh, place of contact. So. Perfect. And we'll post you guys' Twitter here in the bio. So if anybody's watching this or listening to this after, you know, hit the link in the bio. Um, definitely reach out. These guys, you know, definitely know what they're talking about. I've hit up a couple CPAs. They don't even know what NFTs are, man. So it's great to see you guys getting into the space. And I love the fact that you guys are traders too, you know. So that way you see things from that perspective. 
like you said, I can see a bunch of people coming into this space or a bunch of CPAs because it's going to be a hot space, right? They want to capitalize on the fact that people are going to need taxes and there's not a lot of CPAs doing that. So shout out to you guys for understanding the game and being a part of it. And, you know, being, I can tell you guys are DGENs at heart, like the rest of us. So, um, you know, the, the hidden wallet is, is a painful one to watch. So uh, again, you know, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Peter, for coming on. We appreciate your insight. And, you know, this was great for me as well. I learned so much in today's episode and I have a lot of work to do. We have two weeks left of the year. Um, so there's still time, right guys? Yeah. You still got time Absolutely. to lost harvest, take advantage of it now. Um, you know, start getting your information together. If you want to work with a professional, try and reach out in the next probably month to six weeks because those of us in the space are going to get swamped uh, before terribly long. And if you wait until March or April to start reaching out to people, it's going to be really hard to find someone that can squeeze that in because it, it's going to, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there in the space that are going to need help. So uh, it's going to go yeah. pretty quick. But uh, reach out. We're happy to try and help with questions, you know, whenever we can. Um, even through the holidays and things, we'll be working on a lot of stuff for people that we're already committed with. And you know, feel free to reach out um, and we'll see if there's a way we can help you or not. Um, you know, shop around to multiple CPAs in the space if you need to, just to you know, get that comfort level and, and make sure that, uh, that you're with the right person, right? You know, don't just necessarily hire the first person you talk to um, unless you just really feel like it's a great fit kind of thing. Um, so uh, we're out there, you can reach us, we'll do whatever we can to try and help or point you in the right direction. Um, Dude, if you need uh, if you need to talk to us about your own stuff, man, just let us. Know. Oh yeah, we can we can we can <laughs> set something up and talk about it. So. Dude, I'm reaching out to you guys ASAP right after this. Uh, I have so many questions, and now I'm like, damn, I need to do so many things because if not, I'm gonna get screwed. Um, so thank you guys again. You know, Richard and Peter. You know, such a great episode. Um, I'm gonna clip a lot of these and share these throughout Discord and Twitter because there's just so much info that people need to see. And uh, thank you guys for educating us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. And uh, yeah, anytime, man. We're around. All right. We'll see you around. I know we'll probably mint some stuff together in the future. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see you guys. Right. Have a great see day. You. All right, guys. See ya. Right, see ya.